you know, when we don't understand what we're supposed to do, and when everyone doesn't grasp their own uh, job, it makes for a lot of difficulty, and especially is the case in our spiritual life. Oftentimes, we're trying to do, so to speak, God's job, and we're not really sure of our function, and even more dangerous, we're not really sure what the Lord is supposed to do for us and in us. That's why I'm excited about our new Breakthrough series, because as we begin to study at John chapter 15, Christ really specifically breaks down function and role, about how, we can, how, how he can work in us a great harvest of spiritual breakthrough. And, and today, as we talk about the source of our breakthrough, we're going to look closely at verse 1. Uh, th- this particular analogy that Jesus uses in John 15 is different than his parables, because the parables often have a plot, and they're going somewhere specifically. Here, in this particular uh, story, it, it's more like an, uh, just an extended analogy, but packed with powerful truth. Matter of fact, the timing where Jesus gave us John 15 is really one of intense drama. They, Christ has washed the disciples' feet. They have shared uh, the Lord's Supper together, and he is nearing the last week of his life. And it is though he is huddling up the 11 disciples because the traitor Judas is on his way uh, toward the high priest to do the act of betrayal. And and so he's speaking some words of finality. He's sharing his heart and opening up and, and saying, in essence, I want you to remember these things if you remember anything. As we talk about breakthrough, we're first of all going to read verse 1 of John chapter 15. Very succinctly, Christ says, I am the the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Some wonder the context or the, the specific moment of this after the Last Supper together that evening. Did he carry the the disciples carry the torches together and come out of the room where they were staying and walk down the busy streets of Jerusalem past the temple and into the uh, famous vineyards of Jerusalem likely many feel that in doing so as he walked out with the disciples he may have even grabbed a vine in his hands And to the disciples' surprise, when Christ was a master illustrator, pointing to this vine, getting their attention and saying, I am the true vine. (laughs) Certainly not the image they had of their master, the one who they'd seen do incredible miracles, the one whom they'd heard say uh, powerful truths. All of a sudden, they're looking at him, knowing that trouble was lurking all around, saying, You're what? You're the vine? What do you mean by that? As he said, I am the true vine this morning, we're first of all going to discuss uh, the the source of our breakthrough. And number one in your outline this morning is, first of all, Christ, the true vine. What does this powerful phrase mean? There's at least five different meanings that can encourage us this morning. A, under number one, is that God took on flesh. When he's talking about, I am the true vine, it's likely a reference to his incarnation. Or in the prophet Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 2, there's a 
a vineyard reference of Christ. And uh, that powerful verse says that he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, a reference to the fact that God took on flesh and that Jesus was the Word of God that became flesh and that I myself am the divine one. I'm fully God and fully man. So it's, it's another reminder for the disciples that this one among them was not just a super-powered human being. He was indeed God taking on flesh. B, when Christ said, I am the true vine, likely emphasizing the word true, in essence, B, Christ was trying to say that Christ is the real thing. There were so many uh, substitutes for uh, reality and truth and genuineness. And there were many that professed to know the way or be the way in the day of Christ. And there are the same among us today that claim to have the answer or to be the one or to be the path to truth or righteousness. And Christ says, I am the true one. I'm, I'm the one that's real uh, amidst all counterfeiters. I Hold out that which is true. You can look and search and try to find meaning and hope anywhere and everywhere, but I'm the true vine, that source of power in life. Now, what did he mean by vine? We know of the vine to be the, the source of nourishment and life for the fruit of the vine. And see, uh, under number one, Christ is saying that Christ is our only hope for spiritual power. He himself is the one place where we're going to get our nourishment. You know, we sort of have vine substitutes in our lives, and anything that we attach ourselves to to nourish our spiritual life that's not ultimately Christ sometimes becomes a substitute for the true vine. We're not going to get real spiritual power in our life if this church becomes your vine instead of Christ. Maybe you have a good Christian friend that encourages you and builds you up that we need, and it's a wonderful gift, but they are not your vine. Maybe you're blessed by a great teacher, or you love an author, or you love a particular Christian singer, and they inspire you, encourage you, that's great and wonderful. We can be nourished and encouraged and challenged, but they are not your vine. It's only Christ that is the real source of your spiritual power. I remember when I was in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and I was uh, getting in a taxi cab to go back to the air airport, and I was uh, wanting to send Susie a note, and my phone was running out, and I said to the cab driver that didn't speak uh, very good English. I asked him if I, I held up my phone and asked if he had a charge I could borrow, and then he he knew what I was saying, and so he picked up a charger and asked if that was, if that was it. I looked at it, I said no. Then he picked up another type of charger and asked if that was it. I said no, and he didn't have the right charger. Now those phone companies need to get together, in my opinion, and get something going that's uh, more universal. But you can you can take an Android and try to plug it into an iPhone all day long, and it's not going to give you any source of power. You can try to get some spiritual power and attach yourself to something other than Christ, but it's not the true 
vine. It's a counterfeit sort of power that might make you feel like you're being nourished, but you begin to set your hope on those false vines and attachments, and they become your life, and they become your God, and they disappoint you every time Christ says, I am the true vine. A fourth principle about the true vine is D, is that our lives are to reflect Christ. We'll get more into this analogy about how the branches are to bear fruit that it resembles the vine. They're all the, the same pattern. And so we're, uh, as branches into the vine, our lives are to reflect that of the vine. We're to look like Christ. I remember um, a couple of years ago when I was dropping off my oldest son at college, we were in line for like orientation and there was a lot of parents that were meeting each other and talking to each other and this uh, one couple in front of me she looked to me and says you look so familiar and I said well um, you know I'm from Leesburg Florida but I grew up in Fort Worth or, do you have any friends in, in Florida or you no what about Fort Worth well I'm from this area but so we uh, you know we just asked she asked a few more questions about how she might know me or why I looked familiar and then I looked at her and I said you know what a lot of people are getting me confused with Tim Tebow recently so uh <laughs> Maybe that's it, and she didn't think that was it. But, uh, but you know, we're, we're to resemble, we're, we're to reflect Christ. My, one of my sons was in the barber chair the other day, and my barber uh, said he called him Joe, and it was Tommy. And, of course, when you have multiple kids, you, you confuse their names regularly, but Joe and Tommy are all of a sudden starting to look just like each other, a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old who hadn't looked a whole lot like to each other, uh, now are all of a sudden taking on great resemblance. Well, it's not that shocking if you think about it. From They came uh, from the same place. And, and we are to look like Christ. More and more, we are to reflect who Christ is. And uh, that's one of the truths that when Christ said, I'm the vine and I'm producing fruit of, of, that will reflect me, that will have the nature I have, that will have the love that I have, that will have the character that I have, we're to reflect his vineness. E also uh, about Christ being the true vine, it means that we must rest in the shade of the vine. We don't, who we who likely not have grown up in grape and vineyard country may not realize that how large a vine can be. It's not just the, the, the little bitty things across the trellises where the grape comes off. The vine was more like a trunk that stood three or four feet high. And in the Mediterranean, in the Middle Eastern area, it was a place, of course, lacking uh, air conditioning and, and shade where people would come to rest under and, and receive shade and in that sense that we're to rest in the power in the shade of the vine for he is the one that is living his life through us now as Christ is uh, delineating roles he says I'm your source I'm that life that gives you spiritual power so when you're struggling with sin when you're struggling with discouragement it's Christ that's living his life through you and then he assigns the role of the heavenly father he, it says in the last part of verse one and my father is the gardener your version might say husbandman and the gardener was in a sense the owner and the caretaker of the vineyard. Now, 
don't, you don't want to go too far and push this analogy too far because there certainly is a oneness in the Godhead. And Stephen sang about the Trinity today, and Christ, of, of course, is very consistent with that. In other places, he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And this analogy doesn't emphasize the oneness between uh, God and the Son, but that is still intact. The, the, the point of this is that the Father and the Son have different functions. And one of the earthly functions of Christ is there was a subordination to the Heavenly Father. And you can see that the vines are certainly underneath the care, uh, so to speak, in the authority in another sense of the farmer or the vine dresser or the gardener. And so uh, next week when we look at verse 2, we're going to really break down some of the specifics of what the Heavenly Father does in our spiritual life. But this morning as we look at point number 2, the Father is the gardener. He's the second source of our own breakthrough. The gardener reminds us first of all that A, we can't take care of ourselves. When we begin having children, I, I looked at how busy Susie was with these little bitty babies. I'd never really held a baby before. I didn't realize how often they needed to be held and how often they needed all this care. And I remember when our second child was um, a newborn and our oldest child was, I don't know, very young still, like two, Susie went to a, a, a women's retreat, and I was home with the boys, and I had all these instructions, and I was to, I was to bring the baby up to her for feeding, and then bring him home, and all that stuff, and I remember uh, when I brought the baby to her in the morning, she felt little Luke's leg, and it was ice cold, and she said to me, why is my baby's leg blue? Uh, she said, did you put that blanket over him? I was like, well, I put it near him, you know. It was pretty close. I just kind of chunked it in there. And, and uh, she's like, you've got to just, you know, burrito those things and swaddle them up close. And I'm like, the more I thought about it, it's like, you know what, that's true. I mean, if the, if the blanket's near me, I can just, you know, pull it up. But the truth was, he could not take care of himself. In the same way in our spiritual life, one of the breakthroughs that happens is when we quit trying to take care of our own spiritual life and realize that we have the Heavenly Father that is our gardener. He is our caretaker. He is the one that is so passionate about growing us and molding us. And we have to come to the place where we realize our utter dependency on him. That we are not self-sufficient, independent Christians that check in occasionally. And if we really get in a bind, we can tag team. And the Father comes in and mops up our mess that we made of our own. No, it is a complete dependency where the Father is the one that is caring for us. The, the, the Son is producing his life in us and we can't take care of ourselves a second principle this morning about the father the gardener is be that god the father is committed to our growth we're going to see some extreme measures some painful measures that the father does to ensure that we just don't stay the same spiritually but we have a commitment from him to grow us and, and it's a commitment that we can trust because not only does he want us to grow 
but he so deeply cares about us. I was reading a, a story, uh, a Christian author was, was talking about how he went rock climbing with his son, and his younger grade school son was on a rock in front of him, and he looked down, and there was a, a sort of a pasture behind where the dad was standing, and his, the son said, hey dad, catch, and he jumps on top of the dad, and they both fall down, and they get a little bit scraped up, and the father looks frustrated at his son and said, can you give me one good reason why you would just do that? And the, the kid was smiling and says, because you're my dad. <laughs> the point is, that's all it took, that you're my father, and I know you're going to be there for me. I know that you care about what's best for me, and I'm not saying we need to jump on our father, but what I am saying this morning is that he pursues growth in us with great care. Maybe you feel like that your life is somewhat closing in on you, but you can trust that your Heavenly Father has a good purpose behind it and is so absolutely committed to your spiritual growth in the midst of it. There's one other principle this morning. Have you ever maybe looked at a particular skill set that you've had in your life and realized that it didn't match with something that you were considering? Maybe had to do with athletics and in order to play this sport you had to be fast and strong and you weren't very fast and you weren't very strong so you said you know what I'm not going to be very good at that I'm not going to really waste my time in it maybe there is a particular job you have to be uh, this side of the brain for that kind of job you have to be a real numbersy person and I'm more of a artistic person and you said you know what I'm not going to be very good at that so I'm not going to do that you know what sometimes we buy into that same thinking in our spiritual life and we say you know what I believe in Jesus. I'm going to show up at church now and again, but I'm just not that spiritual. <laughs> you know, I'm not Mr. Prayer Warrior. I'm not Mr. Dive into the Word person. I'm not going to be that great a Christian like so and so, like this person or that gal or this guy over here. You know what? And we act like it's dependent upon what we bring to the table. In many aspects of life, it is sort of dependent on our skill set. And our ability. But in the spiritual life, it's dependent upon the Father's ability. It's dependent on the Son's ability. And so this morning, one of the things that Christ being our source and the Father being our gardener see is that our success depends upon the ability of the Father. Because He's gardening you. He's the one that's pursuing growth in you. He is your caretaker and is so desperately committed to working an image of the Son of God in you. He's molding, a shaping to form the, the person of the Son. This morning as we consider this powerful passage, maybe you're on the real precipice in your life of a breakthrough. You're wanting that breakthrough spiritually. You're so tired of living a life of defeat. And this morning, you, you can't make any progress until you realize the source of it. Until you realize that it, Jesus Christ himself is the true vine. Not a counterfeit, not something fake, not something here for a moment and gone the next but the Father is the one that is taking care of you and pursuing growth in your spiritual life. As we venture into this journey, I'd like us to enter into a time of response and prayerfully anticipate what God's going to do in our lives as we await from Him a breakthrough. Living Lord, we humble ourselves before You today, and we do confess that we can't take care of ourselves. We don't have what it takes I'd like to pray that, Lord, maybe today you've given an opening to some eyes in the room 
of where they are with you. That they realize that today that they need a personal relationship with you. I'd like to pray that if anyone's here, they've not received Christ, they've not entered into that relationship with you, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Thank you, Lord. It's in Christ. Awesome and wonderful name we pray. Amen.